Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to day 421 and we come to 2 Samuel chapter 7 as we continue our three-year journey through God's Word. You know, when you take it one chapter at a time and you realize it takes three years, 1165 days to go through the Bible one chapter at a time, you realize how long the Bible really is. It really is a library of books, isn't it? And I had someone ask me, who watches the devotionals, what is that group of books behind you? And it's the Bible. This group right here, that looks like a little library of books, it is an ESV reader's Bible. So this is just the Bible. Um, it Pentateuch, historical books, poetry, prophets, gospels and acts, epistles and revelation. So it's a good reminder that the Bible really is a library of books. And each volume uh, is printed on just regular paper, not like that really thin Bible paper, but regular paper. And the print is, you know, a good readable size so that it's designed to sit and read. It's called a reader's Bible. And uh, it's a nice gift that Beth got me for Christmas. And so that is what is that. Whoops. Well unplanned bloopers. We should edit this out. No, I don't edit anything out. I'll just put this down to the side and then there won't be anything behind my head for this devotional. Cause... <laughs> All right, so let's get into 2 Samuel chapter 7, but let's pray first and ask the Lord's help. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the gift of your word. You alone have the words of eternal life. We thank you for this chapter that we come to today, which is a major unfolding of your covenant of grace with your people in the Davidic covenant. So we pray that you'd be our teacher today through 2 Samuel 7, and write it on our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, as I prayed, we are here in 2 Samuel 7, and this is the chapter where God makes his covenant with David. It's the Davidic covenant. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night... The word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go, and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, 
like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord desires to you, declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I? O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet, this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people? making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Forever. Mm. What a powerful chapter. It teaches us so much about the nature of God and our relationship for him. You see, in, in religion, in man-made religion, 
the strength of religious faith, the strength of religious ideology rests almost entirely on what people do for their gods. How big of a temple can we build to our God? How much of a sacrifice can we make for our God? How much uh, of a vow, how deep of a vow of poverty and celibacy and, and, and uh, how much fasting can we do and how much pilgrimage can we go on? And how much can we do for God to show the depth and the strength of our religious devotion to God? And that's kind of the measure of sort of the power of man-made religion. That's not how God works. That's not how God works. And this is made so clear here with David. David says, well, I've gotten Jerusalem and I've gotten myself a house of cedar. Now I'm going to build a house for the Lord. And at first Nathan says, that's a great idea. Go, God's with you and all that you do. You're so blessed of the Lord, you go and do it. But then God says, no, 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 not so fast. Not so fast. David, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And he begins by reminding David that everything David has in his life is what God has given him. I took you from the pasture, verse 8, and from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones on earth. You see, in in God's economy, in the gospel, it's 100% measured, the greatness of it is measured by what God does for us and what we receive from God. Not how much we can sacrifice for him, not how much we can impress him, but the gospel is the good news because it is 100% about what God does for us. And in this case, he makes a vow to David. He says, I will build you a house. It's in verse 11 that he actually says it. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And then he speaks in verse 12 of the offspring of David who will be raised up after David and how God will establish his kingdom. And there's been much speculation about who this offspring might be. And many Bible scholars have said, well, obviously he's talking about Solomon. Because he says, I'll raise up your offspring after you, and he shall build a house for my name. Well, didn't Solomon come from David's own body after David? And after David died, didn't he build the temple in Jerusalem? Yes, but Solomon was not the ultimate fulfillment of this promise. Solomon was just a partial fulfillment as a foreshadowing of the, the full fulfillment that would come long after David was dead and gone when the greater son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come. And Jesus comes and he says to Peter in Matthew 16, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we're told in Ephesians 2 and in 1 Peter 2 that the church is the living temple of God where God makes his dwelling in and among his people by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ who is the chief cornerstone 
of this new and living temple. So ultimately, it's Jesus Christ who is the one who builds the house and the one for whom this house is built. Hebrews tells us that Moses was faithful in all God's house, but Jesus is faithful as a son over the house. And so it's the church of Jesus Christ that is the forever kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and the forever house of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this causes David to give thanks. Who am I and what is my house? You've brought me this far. He was, he was a teenage boy looking after a few sheep for a minor family in an obscure town. He was a nobody. So insignificant that his own father didn't even think to bring him in from the sheepfold to possibly be anointed by Samuel. And yet God has brought him to this point. God has done it. You see, it's not what David's done. It's what God has done. Because of your promise. Because of your heart. David says, you've done all this for me and you're going to do even more. Not because of anything I deserve. Not because of anything I even asked for. God's not even letting David do what David wanted to do for God. God's going to do what God's going to do for David. This is what we need to learn. I just want us to get one thing from this. I've been emphasizing it already. Yes, everything that God has promised is fulfilled in Jesus. He's the greater son of David. He's the one who builds the true and living temple. But the one application point I want us to get from this is that the strength of our testimony before the world, the strength of our witness to the greatness of God, lies not in the impressive things we might do for God, but in telling others the good news of the astoundingly wonderful things that God has done for us. That's what makes the difference in our lives and in our testimony to the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such great grace. Thank you for such a great gospel that we have to share with the world. It cost you your son to give us this gospel, and it was a price you were pleased to pay because of your promises and because of your heart. And who are we? (laughs) And who are we that you should pour these things out on us? And yet we're so thankful. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's 2 Samuel 7 tomorrow, Lord willing. We'll continue right on in the 2 Samuel 8. Have a blessed day in the Lord.